this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Hello, welcome. I'm so glad you could join us today. My name is Alina. My family and I have been going to Paris Community Church for about two and a half years now. Um, I've been an elder since January. And I also actually work with the Rock Carrot Soup Enterprise. I am the community engagement manager, and I work at the head office, and that is housed in the church. So I'm here fairly often, but right now we're actually in someone's backyard. So join me this morning. Um, if you've been journeying with us for a while, you know we've been working through... Um, the Bible and listening about different characters, and we've had different speakers share. And today I want to tell you the story of Esther and how some of the things that she may have faced of possibly not really expecting God to use her and how he ended up using her. So it's kind of a really cool story, and I want to draw some parallels to how we may be feeling today and to see where God can use us. But first I'm going to start off with a question. So if you were hiring someone, let's say, or finding someone to uh, go on a mission for you or communicate an important message, what characteristics would you look for? What sort of measuring stick would you use? What qualities would you want the person to have? I'm just going to let you think about that for a second. You probably want someone with an education, maybe a higher education, um, possibly experience in the relevant field, um, a good communicator, and the list goes on. Um, but as you were probably hearing in our summer series, um, Faithful and Flawed, we've heard from different people and about how God chooses people who are different than what we may imagine he would have picked. Um, so he doesn't always select the ones with the best education or even the right demographic necessarily or in the right standings in the community. Sometimes he picked the ones who are unliked, um, who really weren't the ones that we would think should be chosen to be used by God, but he used them. And um, it's kind of neat how he chose flawed people to show his faithfulness. So we're going to learn more about that. Back when Joel asked if I would be interested in speaking um, during this time, and that we'd be talking about different characters in the Bible, Esther like immediately came to mind. Um, I think partly just the courage that she had um, really spoke to my life, and uh, I thought I should really lean in to hear what God wants us to hear from him through her story. So I'm going to dive into the story. There's parts of it that I will be paraphrasing, and then there'll be parts that I will be reading. Some of the text is from the message. So if you go home and read it in a different version, it may sound a little bit different. But don't worry, the story is similar. So the king at the time was King Xerxes, and he ruled in Persia, which is nowadays Iran. And it was a very large kingdom at the time. It was all the way from India to Ethiopia. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his officials, the army of Persia and the and media and the nobles and the government and the provinces were all before him. For six months, he put on a celebration to exhibit the huge wealth of his empire and the stunning beauty of his royal splendor. At the conclusion of the exhibit, the king threw a week-long party. Sounds like a great party. Wish I was there. <laughs> For everyone living in Susa, in the capital, the important and the unimportant were invited. The guests could drink as much wine as they liked. At the same time, the queen, Queen Vashti, was throwing her own party for the women in the king's royal palace. On the seventh day of the party, the king was feeling pretty good, chilled out, probably had a little too much wine, and he ordered his queen to come and put on her royal crown and come before him and his guests, as she was extremely beautiful and she wanted to show off her beauty. Queen Vashti actually refused to come. 
the king lost his temper and got super angry. Now, I thought this was a bit of an interesting part because he doesn't just like yell at her and send her away. He is very angry, but he calls in his sort of officials and his wise people and kind of goes like, what can I do? My queen isn't um, coming. So they say, what can be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the king's command and her royal duties? They advise that Queen Vashti be permanently banned from the king, that she is never again to come before the king and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than her. So then started a big search. So basically they decided to like go out to all the provinces, not just the capital, but all the provinces and look for beautiful young virgins to come in, stay at the capital for a year, eat wonderful food, bathed in myrrh oil and very uh, beautiful things, um, got to be in this beauty treatments basically for a year before they went and presented themselves to the king. So there was this beautiful girl named Esther she was raised by her cousin Mordecai as her parents had died. He was a Jew and their ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem into exile. She said nothing about her family background as Mordecai had instructed her not to. So when it was Esther's turn to be presented to the king, he fell deeply in love with Esther and placed a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, a little side story here. We're going to learn about Haman. Haman was the highest ranking official of the government. He was an Agagite. And just an interesting note that um, there's a bit of a history here with the Agagites and the Israelites. When Saul was king, he was instructed by God to have all the Agagites killed. Um, but Saul disobeyed and left the king alive. So there's still Agagites um, alive. And they probably were a little unhappy with the Jewish people. So remember that Haman's the Agagite. Mordecai is the Jew. Um, and everyone honored the Haman because he was the highest ranking official and they would actually bow down before him at the king's command. And everyone except Mordecai. Mordecai chose not to bow down and made Haman super angry. So he actually decided to make this grand plan to have the king set out an edict saying that the Jews would be eliminated on a certain date. So that went out to all the um, provinces. So Mordecai suggested to Esther through um, their people who worked for them, because they didn't actually communicate directly, so the messages go back and forth through a messenger, and he says, you know, you need to go to the king, and you need to plead for our lives. And Esther's like, and to quote here, everyone knows that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there's what one law to be put to death. The only exception is if the king extends his gold scepter, then he or she may live. So basically, she says back to Mordecai, like, I haven't been summoned by the king. If I go, I may be put to death. But Mordecai comes back and says, but you need to. And don't think just because you live in the king's house that you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in saying silent at this time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else, but you and your family will be wiped out. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That's Esther 4.14. So Esther kind of says, okay, I will go. But first, I'd like you to gather all the Jewish people in Susa and fast with me for three days. Once that is done, I will go to the king and make my request. So she went. She approached the inner court. The king was there. He actually was pleased to see her, and she was approved, got her approval. She touched the scepter, 
And the king says, what is your desire, Queen Esther? What do you want? To, what do you want? Ask and it is yours, even up to half my kingdom. And she says, I'm assuming this took a lot of nerve for her because she wasn't seemed to be ready to make the request, request right then and there. She says, come and have dinner with me later. You and Haman come and I will put on a banquet. So he's very pleased. He says, we will be there. So they come to the banquet, they have dinner. At the end of the dinner, they say, okay, now, queen, what is your request? And she says, come again tomorrow night, bring Haman, and I will put on a banquet again. So it's interesting because I see that it just is taking her some time to build more courage to make the request, isn't it? She did the initial thing of approaching him, but then is, is really needing this time to kind of make the, the ultimate request. So the second night, she makes her request, and she says, if it pleases the king, and if the king wishes, give me my life. That is my wish. And the lives of my people too. That is my desire. The king is enraged. He's like, who on earth is trying to kill you and your people? Tell me who they are and I will get rid of them. And she points at Haman and she says, it's him. And he's like, oh my gosh. He like actually storms out of the room. And then Haman actually like throws himself at the queen and tries to plead for her, his life. Um, the king comes back in and he's so angry. And it's kind of interesting because there's a side person that says, oh, like, Haman had these gallows made to hang Mordecai on. Why don't we go and put Haman on them? And the king's like, yes, go hang them on these gallows. So it's kind of this interesting story of reversal. Um, I highly recommend you check out the whole story. It's quite fascinating. I won't go into more of it now because I don't want to take up your whole day. Uh, it's a shorter book. It's about six chapters. It should take you about an hour. Um, but it's really fascinating to hear more about how this all works out. But in the end, Esther's story, Esther's intervention story was successful. The Jews were saved. And it's interesting because Esther could have just fasted and prayed and stayed quiet, but she acted. She did what not only Mordecai requested, but I believe what God requested for her to do. Another question for you. Have you ever felt like you didn't fit in? I can only imagine that Esther felt this way as she came into the royal kingdom as a Jewish girl, as an orphan. Um, I know I've definitely felt that way. I felt like I haven't fit in. There was a long time where I was trying really hard to fit in, actually. My life was quite interesting in a number of different ways, and I tried really hard just to be normal and to fit in and kind of really was faking it till I made it. Um, because I didn't know very much. And in the sense, what I say by that is my education seemed to be lacking a little bit. A um, little bit of a backstory for that to help you understand. So my parents decided to homeschool us. We were living in India at the time when I reached school age. Um, they decided not to put us in the Indian school or the U.S. Embassy school. Uh, they thought it was a good choice to homeschool us and really foster the, the natural hunger of learning that kids tend to have. Personally, I think I struggled with that. I found everything really hard. Reading was hard. It wasn't something I just picked up like my other older brother seemed to. Um, when I was five, my third brother was born in India with Down syndrome. And there were many sort of complications to keeping him healthy and well living in India. And we had to make trips back to home to Canada. Finally, after three years, we realized we needed to move home for his health. Um, by the time I came home at around eight, I realized that I was behind. I don't really quite understand how I came to this realization, but probably with hanging out with friends. And I just realized that I probably couldn't read and write to the standard that they could. And I really was always afraid that they would find out that I couldn't really read very well. I couldn't spell. Math scared me half to death. Um, and actually, I was really behind in kind of all subjects. 
And this kind of continued on all the way up through high school. Um, you know, mom would tell me to do my schoolwork and I just kind of hid away in my room pretending to do it. And of course, you know, I should have probably gone to school, but I was so scared. And the thought of going to school really caused like almost a panic attack that I would go and not be able to do the work that the other kids were doing. So I've never actually spent a day in school at all. I don't have a high school diploma. I know I could have gone and tried to get my GED, but that whole thought really petrified me, actually, because I've never really done exams and to study and to cram would just, it just scared me half to death. I have a few little certificates here and there, um, but really I've had to make it through life without having that. Um, I could I could do life. My parents did teach me well of how to run a household, how to grocery shop, how to babysit kids. Um, overall, I feel like I'm a decent human being. I've learned to communicate with adults. Um, so I have learned lots, but it did make me feel insecure at times. Um, applying for jobs has always been difficult without sort of that higher education often needed. Um, and I often thought if I just earned the right job or earned the right amount of money, I would finally sort of settle into that insecurity. Um, I love being a stay-at-home mom and caring for my kids, but I actually felt like I didn't really have a choice because I felt like there was an else, something else I could do that would provide enough income to even pay for daycare. Um, but you wouldn't have known that from the outside because I definitely hit it well. <laughs> but during the second half of my life, after meeting my husband, who really kind of said, you know what, you don't need to hide away. You don't, everybody's not on this high pedestal that you put them on. And it'd be much better if you just shared the struggle you've going through. So then I feel like God really invited me into this healing journey. And I feel like he wants to invite you in that same possible journey. If there's any hurts in your heart or insecurities, that I think he really wants you to know your value and your worth. And he opened the doors for me to accept my flaws. Um, through some group spiritual directions, I've had many sessions of deeply bawling my eyes out, but God really touching this, those spots that needed to be healed. Um, I feel like I know a little bit more about who I am and what God wants me to do with my life. Um, it's been an amazing story of coming to work at the Rock Heritage. I really didn't have uh, the credentials needed to get that job, but um, I think Rebecca saw what I needed, or sorry, not what I needed, but what I did bring and my life experience. So what do I want you to take away? You've heard Esther's story. You've heard a little bit of my story. Um, I really want you to take away the fact that you have value and that you are worthy. Um, and it can... It is take a lot of faith and courage to step out and live a life of following Christ. If you're not sure what that means in terms of following Christ, you know, reach out to us. Send Joel an email, contact us through Facebook. We'd love to share more about why you're worthy through Christ, why through Christ dying on the cross for you makes you clean and white before Christ. He sees you through Christ's lens and it's really an amazing thing. And I really want you to know as well that when it hurts so much that you feel like you can't breathe, I do still believe God is with you. You may not feel that. Um, and like David talked about last week, wrestling with God, there may be some time of wrestling. I definitely have wrestled with God. But what I've learned through that is instead of trying to do it on my own, it's much better to hold his hand and to walk with him. The other thing I want to leave you with is what it says in Esther 4.14. And we've sometimes you've maybe heard this before, but and who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So we're not living in a kingdom, at least I'm not, maybe you're not, but we're living here, right here, right now. Maybe you're in Paris, maybe you're somewhere else. And maybe God's positioned you here for a reason. Think of the people you have that you have influence on. 
What is he prompting you? What is he asking you to step out? I'm going to ask you to sit with me for a minute as we conclude. And I want you just to ask God, what are you prompting me? What are you trying to say? Where am I too afraid? Or what heart hurts in my heart do I have that God desires to heal you? And I also want to just add, it does take courage for sure to even open your hands, to be willing to say yes. Because I know from my life, God often doesn't take you to the places you think you're going to go. I didn't think I'd be here doing this in Paris, Ontario, but here I am. But please remember that you are worthy through Christ. So please sit with me for a minute, and then I will pray for you before you go on with your day. So with your hands open, please pray with me. Father God, thank you for this day, for this time, for the story of Esther, for how she's an example of stepping out into faith and for having courage. Help us to have courage, whether it's just sending an email and asking about Jesus and what that means to follow him, or whether it's being friendly to our neighbors at the park or next door, whatever it may be whether it's embarking on our own healing journey and taking time to sit with you or to meet with a spiritual director or a counselor to be made whole through you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Christ dying on the cross for us so that we may be made whole through him. So be with us today. Be with these folks who are joining with me today. We thank you for your love and thank you for inviting us into your story. In your name, amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.